Hi. How are you? Not too bad in yourself. With all due respect, let's get the small talk. Welcome to Let's Give the Small Talk, a podcast show where we talk about it all, one topic at a time. I'm your host, Tyconis Allison. With that being said, ready, set, stimulate. Let's Give the Small Talk. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to episode 103 of Let's Give the Small Talk. This is going to be a very special episode because later on, I'll be joined by special guest Alicia, and we'll be discussing everything underneath the sun. I'm going to go ahead and warn you now. This is a very, very mature episode. All I'm saying is brace yourself because everything you can imagine, we took it there. We discussed things such as, does the father have a say if the mother is considering an abortion? Are you obligated to tell your new boyfriend or girlfriend about your past life? We also discuss how having sex with strangers has become so casual that we normalized creating children with people we barely know. Like I said, we discuss it all. That's just a couple of the topics. But before we go any further, first, let's talk about the podcast. If you enjoy Let's Skip the Small Talk, and you would like to help the podcast reach its fullest potential, then by all means, please do so. All you have to do is simply text this episode link to one person in your phone. Just one. You guys have been doing so. Please continue to do so. I deeply appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Let's kick this show off with a little motivation. Three, two. One, score! Goal season is here. I repeat, goal season is here. I want to give a special shout out to all the goal seekers in our community of progression. Today, I want to talk to you guys about rounding third base. Here's what I mean. We have been working towards our goal for three quarters now out of a year. It is official. We have eclipsed the eighth month mark since we embarked on our journey. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Eight months we have been striving and grinding and trying to get to where we want to be trying to achieve that goal, trying to make that goal a part of our reality. It's been over eight months now. But another reality we have to accept as well in the same vein is we're rounding third base. We're approaching the year mark. Remember, we set out to achieve a goal or goals in one year's time. So the beauty is we are approaching the finish line. I just want you to make sure that you are on pace on crossing that finish line. We ran past first base. We ran past second base. And now we're rounding third base. We're on the home 
stretch. So how are you doing? Are you almost there? Are you almost about to touch home plate? I want you to think about it. You still have time on the clock. You have four more months. But as we know, four months come and go like this. Time flies when you're having fun, especially when you're working towards something. It flies even faster. Once again, we have eclipsed the eighth month mark on our journey. You are almost there to the finish line. I just want you to check your pace to make sure you are right there when the horn blows. All right. Okay. With that being said, let's go ahead and roll out the red carpet for our special guest. Without any further ado, welcome in, Alicia. Hey. Thank you so much for joining me, dear. Now, the reason why we're here today is because we both just finished another, another one, as DJ Khaled would say, another great book by Britt Bennett. Shout out to The Vanishing Half. Yes. It's safe to say that Britt Bennett has a way of generating conversation. She does, which I'm sure is every author's dream. And she did it again. Mm-hmm. She did it again, y'all. The Vanishing Half, if you haven't read it, please pick it up. It's all about colorism. In this novel, The Mothers, Britt tackles one of the most difficult topics to discuss because it's just so controversial. You're either nay or yay. It's really not much in between. And that topic being abortions. Now, there were definitely other topics of discussion throughout the novel, but it was centered around an abortion that Nadia had as a teenager and how it affected her and many others for many years, well into her adulthood. And who knows, maybe affected her for the rest of her life. So, Alicia, my dear, where would you like to begin? All right. So I would like to start at the beginning when Nadia's dad was having a conversation with the pastor and he was telling him about how Nadia crashed his truck and he felt like he didn't really know her. So he said something very interesting. He said, mothers are selfish. You can't get between no mother and child. So I just want to know, what do you think about that? Do you think mothers are selfish? He also went on to talk about how Nadia's mother wouldn't let him hold her after she was born and so on along those lines. Oh, okay. I understand that. No, that happens. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. <laughs> I've heard that from multiple like guys, um, especially like when a baby's born, it's always like, just give him to me. Just give her to me. I'll take care of him. I'll take care of her. Uh, but do I think mothers are selfish? I can... Speak on just two experiences, my mother and my fiance. So from those two, no, mothers aren't selfish in my opinion. They're actually quite the opposite, very selfless. But I am very aware of how sometimes uh, mothers can um, just take the reins. Uh, you know, it's portrayed a lot. You know, we talked about this the other day. 
the way men are portrayed in movies and TV shows, somehow that that seeped into reality as if the guy is just clueless. The father's just clueless when it comes to the child. I remember, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I had a conversation with my cousin about this exact same thing. And he said that his wife was taking their son every time the son was crying. He'd hold him for a little bit and she'd come and say, just give him to me. I know how to calm him down. I know how to rock him. And I told him, I said, bro, you and your son, y'all need to get to know each other. Like, exactly. You got to say, no, I got it. Like He going to cry a little bit, but he going to figure out how daddy do it, how daddy calm him down. Mm-hmm. I told him, you can't keep letting her just take y'all son. Like, because what happened in... Then I stopped, you know, going on and on. But what happened is she got to the point where she started to resent him because she felt like she was doing everything. Mm -hmm. And his response was, you do everything because you tell me to do nothing. So it just it spirals down here. But I haven't witnessed any selfish mothers. uh, But the aspect about. Not letting the father do certain things or always taking the baby. I've, I've, I'm well aware of that. Right. So I love what you said and I want to take it there because we spoke about this briefly earlier today. And remember, I mentioned how in some two parent homes, the mother's the only one who takes the children to the doctor's appointments or any other important event, which I just don't understand. So, for me, what I really need is for more for more men to step up and be involved. A mother doesn't get to say, you can't hold the child. You can't go here. You can't do this. It doesn't work like that. I know for me as a mother, I want to be a part of everything because that's my child. So everything that she does is my concern. And I know you feel the same exact way. But I noticed that a lot of men, including including Nadia's dad, take the back burner when it comes to decision making. And I'm sorry, but providing is just not enough because what's going to happen is your child's going to grow up. And just like Nadia's dad, you're going to feel like you don't know your child. But if you don't know your child, it's because you didn't get to know your child, point blank, period. It just upsets me that it came to this point where Nadia's mother passed away and her dad feels like he doesn't know her. How old is she? 17? Yeah. You've been in this child's life for 17 years and you don't know her? That's a shame. It is. It is. It is a shame and you should be involved. I agree. Um, Effort is one of the most beautiful things in this world. It's crazy how um, the disconnect Right. Between Nadia and her father. Um, And I'm sure we're about to get to it soon, but after having the abortion, he sensed a slight difference, but he couldn't pinpoint it. So he just dubbed it as maybe it was that time of the month. You Mm -hmm. know, she needs space and so forth. But um, it is very important to try to be as present as possible Um, because Nadia felt all alone. Right. You know, after she had the abortion, she uh, she felt like she had nowhere to go. 
and no and no one to run to or even to talk about it with. Mm-hmm. All right. So where would you like to take it next? Well, I mean, we already started diving into it, the the meat and potatoes of the novel. Like I said, this story is centered around the abortion that Nadia had as a teenager. So let's touch on that right there. Nadia's mother passed away and she was taking buses and going to different cities. And she was a traveler, you know, she was on the go. And um, from the way it was depicted in the story, she's always a pretty girl. And uh, she met this guy, this older guy, for some reason. I don't know why teenage girls love older guys. I don't know what the fascination is. I don't know if it's because of status, but (laughs) it's something there where men, like younger women, younger girls, and Younger women like older men. It just seems to go like that. But Well, I think sometimes it's that the older men likes the younger girls. And the younger girls like what the older men can do for them. Yes. So it's a different attraction that ends up being mutual. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yeah. He's looking at her looks and her innocence. And she's looking at his cool car or how much money he can give her to go shopping. Did it, I guess it's a win-win for both. It's it's very odd, but it's a win-win for both. But in their situation, it wasn't like that because no. Luke couldn't do anything yeah. for her. Yeah, Luke Luke was an older guy. Uh, Nadia was spending a lot of time at his job, which was a restaurant, seafood restaurant. and uh, But she knew of Luke because he was a high school football star until he got injured. Just one thing led to another, just conversation. You guys know how I go. You spend enough time around someone, you begin to take interest in them. You know, so that's what happened with Luke and Nadia. And one thing led to another, because if I'm not mistaken, before Luke, Nadia was a virgin. Mm-hmm. So Luke did, uh, you know, take her virginity uh, shortly after she got pregnant. I don't know, it was like a few months. I know it wasn't like like first time pregnant, but yeah. it was after a few months. After a few months, she found out she was pregnant and Luke was in a whirlwind. Here's the caveat, guys. Luke's father is a pastor. So his parents are very religious. And when Luke found out he was having a baby at the young age of 21 or 22. His mother said, no, not my son. Mothers don't play about these sons. She said, no, not my son. And she gave him the money that was required for the procedure. $600. Now, my question for you, Alicia, with his parents being very religious and with Abortion being one of the biggest taboos in the religious community. It's a big no-no and a big hush-hush. For them to aid for Nadia to abort the baby. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like that's hypocritical? Definitely. So I'm not religious at all, but 
hypocrites don't sit well with me. So I honestly feel like the mom gave the money for the abortion for her own selfish reasons. She loves her son. She wants the best for her son. But what I really think it came down to was that she didn't want the church to find out. She didn't want the world to find out that her baby boy got this girl pregnant and he was about to become a dad and they weren't married. So I think it was more to protect herself and her husband, her family, and their reputation. It, it wasn't even about Luke. And it's just selfish to make another woman, make someone else's child get rid of a child that you didn't create. But yeah, I definitely think they were being hypocrites. Yeah. And I don't agree with it. Yeah. And and you're right. It was it was very selfish because it wasn't about Luke and it wasn't about God either. Mm-hmm. You know, it was strictly about her. She very well was worried about the the congregation, right? The feedback from the con- congregation, the murmurs, the gossip, the rumors. And with you being at the head of the church, you just can't be seen like that. And I've heard stories in real life about how congregations do shun teen pregnancies. Mm-hmm. I know someone that got ran out of the church because of their teen pregnancy. And uh, it's a real thing. Here's the crazy part about it, right? The congregation is everyone that attends the church. Everyone judges, yet everyone sins. Mm-hmm. That's the confusing part about all of it. There doesn't seem to be much room for grace or just accepting that you're human before mm-hmm. you're Christian. And that's what exactly showed here. Luke's mother is a human before she's a Christian. And that's where her decision all rooted from. And I just wanted to touch on that, that guys, listen, we can't ignore the fact that we're human first. Mm -hmm. The reason why we sin is because we're human. And that kind of makes me think about the word sin itself now. I mean, there are some very terrible things, but think about the word sin it's pretty interesting because we're we're complex beings. So we are comprised of good and bad. Right. Good and evil, whatever word you want to use, good and balanced. That's just who we are. So to be condemned for something that we are naturally, hmm. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Right, it is. And another thing is that as parents, we are not our children. We have to learn to let them live their lives and make their own mistakes. You cannot always save them. You always can't. You can't always run to their rescue and try to cover up their mistakes or figure it out for them. They have to learn on their own. He knew what he was doing when he was having sex with Nadia. So sometimes you have to pay the consequences. So I just feel like he's not a baby anymore. 
Like you can only do so much. That's true. And what you'll learn in the long run is that it'll come back to bite you. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about it, man. Nadia did have the abortion. She's waiting for Luke to pick her up from the clinic. As you know, she couldn't leave on her own. Someone had to pick her up. And uh, after Luke promised to be there, Luke never showed. And I was pissed. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was sad. One of the nurses had to take her home. And then she had to just deal with it by herself. You know, the uh, the pains and, and everything that came with it for the, the following weeks. So Luke went MIA. Nadia's young. She's still in high school, y'all. Right? I believe she's in her senior year or she was in her junior year. One of the two. And uh, she finally caught up with Luke. She actually caught up with him at a party. I think a couple days after the procedure. Yeah, she wasn't supposed to be drinking or anything, but she did anyway. But uh, Luke said he couldn't face the music. You know, he paid the money and thought after having the abortion, his hands would be washed with the entire situation. I just want to fast forward a little bit because in reality, his hands were never washed with the situation and he ended up regretting it. So one day he was having this conversation with his friend Finch and they were talking about the abortion and his friend Finch was highly upset. So Finch believes that men don't have rights anymore as far as abortions are concerned. So I just want to know, what are your thoughts? Should men have a say so in whether a woman could abort a child or not? I absolutely believe so because it took two to make the child. To not include the father in the decision-making process, I think is a big no-no. I think if it's going to go the opposite way, where an abortion is on the table, that's an option. I I think all parties involved that help make the child absolutely should have to say so, without a doubt. Okay. So I think men should have a say-so as well. And whether they should keep the child or get rid of the child. But I don't think they have the right to make the final decision. I'm sorry. Mm. I just, I don't want to sound territorial at all. But I feel like this is my child and my body just for the simple fact that I'm carrying it. So let's be real. The child in my body is 100% mine. And I say that because there's no way that you can prove who the father is until the baby's born and you do a DNA test. It sucks and that's why you truly have to pick your child's parents wisely, but you have to know who you're dealing with. Personally, abortions aren't my thing, but for some women it is, it's a go, And so as a man, you're just going to have to accept it. Mm, At the end of the day, wait, before you go, before you go, let me just say this. Before you go, let me just say this. When it's time to get an abortion, no one is checking for the dad because it's the woman who's at risk. I understand. I understand all of that. I really do. I'm not undermining it, but you cannot completely rule out someone 
when they helped that baby get there in the first place. Right. No, I said his opinion matters. Right. But but but, but see, here's my to say. I'm about to I'm about to be honest right now. I'm about to be honest. I don't think one person's opinion weighs more than the other. It took the both of you guys to come together as a union to conceive this child. This decision, you two are going to have to come to a decision together. It for it to for the man to say yes, he wants the child, and the woman to say no, I don't want the child. You mean there's no more conversation to be had? No way. At the end of the day, you just got to face reality. He no. can want the child. She cannot want the child. She can go get an abortion by herself in the story. So she no, makes but, the final decision. But, Should it be that way? No, it shouldn't. And first of all, see, now we're about to be honest. First of all, to go get an abortion without even letting the man know, that's wrong. Of course that's wrong. No, that's wrong. For real. So this is it's a serious decision to be had. But you guys are gonna have to come to a decision together. I'm not saying everybody's gonna be happy, but y'all have to come to a decision together. That's all I'm saying. The onus does not lie on one specific person. It doesn't, but we're dealing with two different situations here. Okay. A woman is physically and emotionally connected to this child. A man is not. So they're going through, they're having two different battles within. As a man, you would never understand how that woman feels. Yes, that's understandable. That's nature. That's just how it goes. The woman carries the child and and gives birth. I don't see why the two... I'm just keeping it at the two because it took two to make the child. I don't see why the two don't come to a decision together. That's all I'm saying. It shouldn't just be one person. Most of the time, they can't agree. They can't agree on the same terms. If one person is saying no and the other person says yes, then what? Someone has to make the final decision. Hmm. This is this is the world that we live in, but it all comes down to choosing your significant other, the person you have a child with wisely. I don't know, man. That's it's it's tough. It's not easy, you know. And I know you're also on a time clock. There's only so many weeks you can go until the option of an abortion is no longer available. So it is time sensitive, but mm, but then it, it just like as you talked about the meat and potatoes is the abortion. These two teenagers who are sexually active, the girl gets pregnant and then they both decide it's best to get an abortion. It just made me wonder, are children being taught? To wait until marriage to have sex? No. Were you taught that? Bro, listen. I remember that growing up. I mean, I grew up in a religious household, so that was one of the things. But 
Listen, school, man, school changed, bro. I remember in health class in seventh grade, the the lesson was abstinence. It wasn't safe sex. Mm-hmm. It was abstinence. It was wait until you find the right person. It was wait until you get married. But a few years after that, it changed because it went from practice abstinence to practice safe sex, where they passing out condoms, da 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 da. da. But um, no, I don't think abstinence is talked about anymore. I don't think so. No. So what would you like to do? What would you like to teach our children? Do you want to teach them to wait until they're married to have sex? I mean, I want to, I don't want to get caught up in like ideals because I've been a teenager, but I want to teach them that, well, one, uh, all right, so there's a few different levels to it. Right, I'm sorry. There's a few different layers to it. I want to teach them about sex and so they understand the purpose of it. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to have sex is to reproduce. And then I'm also going to go ahead and be honest about it that once you become sexually active, you normally don't think about reproduction. It's more of a pleasure thing. So you can't rule it out. We're human. I'm never going to ignore the fact that we're human, okay? We're not robots. But what I do want to put emphasis on is be mindful of who you do give your body to Mm -hmm. and who you do have sex with and also understand all possible outcomes that come with the decision you just made to have sex with this person. Right. So... For me to be gung-ho, like, don't do this until you're married. Don't, I mean, you you see it now. You tell a child, don't do something now. They automatically want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even going to set myself up like that. Like I said, I've been there. You know, I've been a teenager. But, um, but, but no, we definitely going to have talks. Like, ain't no way in the world, you, you know, you should be having sex right now. But think about it. So you got more things to worry about than that. But that will come. We just got to be honest. That's going to come. And when it does, this is what it's meant for. And these are all the possible outcomes. So you need to make good decisions. Right. Now, I'm with you. I don't believe in teaching them to wait until marriage either. But like you said, I do believe that you should only be having sex with someone who has the potential to be your husband or wife or someone who you can see in your future. So I know for Leah, I'm definitely going to teach her about her body and that her body is a temple and that you just don't let anyone access it. I feel like we have to start teaching our children that sex doesn't equal love. The moment we cancel casual sex, the less broken families will have. So people are out here having sex and having children with people that they don't even know. And then they're getting upset when it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Of course it didn't work out because you had sex with a stranger. Mm-hmm. And that's what, like you said, 
Let's talk about the outcome. Let's talk about what will really happen because sex is all fun and games until you have a child with a stranger. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that is a possibility. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's very true. And I'm also going to make sure to teach her that period for anyone to get her attention or time of day. There's some qualities that need to be met. First mm-hmm. and foremost, we're going to have our own <laughs> list. Right. You know I'm saying? We don't give time and attention away to everybody. Right. Shout out to your mom with the list for yeah, y'all. Yeah, we're going to keep that going. Make that list. Mm-hmm. If you don't check off the list, then you don't got my time. <laughs> but no, I mean, having sex with a stranger, that, we can we can talk about that for, for hours. It's real, man. It's real. And... It makes me wonder, with sex becoming more casual and with one of the very likely outcomes of sex is children, are having children becoming more casual as well? I think it's something that should be taken a look into. Because, listen, when you have a child with someone, that's a lifetime commitment. Ooh, let's talk about it. It's a lifetime commitment. It's and some people were rather like, I don't want to get married, but I have a child with them. Getting married, you go to the courthouse, you sign that marriage certificate. If it don't work out, you go back to the courthouse, get your lawyer, and you get a divorce. Mm-hmm. You have a child with someone, there's no such thing as a divorce. Y'all may break up, no longer be together. Mommy's house, daddy's house, whatever the case may be. But the product of what you guys created will forever be there. Right. There's no, <clears throat> there's no cutting ties uh, because you you created a, a a branch on a family tree, you know, a bloodline. Um, I I just wonder. If the magnitude of a child, the severity of it, I just wonder if it's being weighed accurately. No, clearly not. Uh, It's tough, man. It's tough because, you know, and if we're here, we're just going to take it there. The truth of the matter is. If things don't work out between mommy and daddy, it's only one person that suffers. Mhm. It's only one person. That's the child. That's the child. The child is now at a disadvantage. Right. And nobody talks about the child, mm-hmm. which is the most important person in the situation. Yeah. And here's the thing about being a child. Whatever you're aware of, whatever you experience, That's your norm. So if your norm is mommy's house on the weekdays and daddy's house on the weekend, you don't know that you don't see anything wrong with that. That's just your life. Right. But just because something's normalized doesn't make it right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make it right. Just because something's normalized doesn't make it right. That's true. So, I mean... 
Like I said, we could go on and on about that. <laughs> I mean, I know everything don't work out too. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. But just know that when that union splits and you guys go your separate ways, just know that it's only one person that truly took it out. Okay. For the fathers, you can't see your child throughout the weekdays. Yeah, that's sad. For the mothers, you don't get to see your child on the weekends. Yeah, that's sad. But the child's at a loss every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Every kid, you can't tell me. Every kid would love to be in a home with their mom and their dad. Right. That's the both words. That's right. That's absolutely right. But like I said in the beginning, Britt Bennett has a way of generating conversation, guys. She really does. <laughs> she sure do, man. She'll have you going the distance, mm-hmm. as you can tell. Right. Uh, but let's get back to the story, because here's where things begin to take a a turn. Nadia eventually graduates from high school. She goes off to college in the state of Michigan. Has a new boyfriend. She's traveling the world. She's studying to be a lawyer. You know, she's moving on in life. And some days are hard for her. Because, once again, she doesn't have anyone to talk to about the abortion. And uh, uh, it has like a lingering effect on her. You know, she wasn't able to just wash her hands with it. No, wow. I never even realized that she just hid that secret really well. Oh, yeah. She never talked to anyone about it. And she barely even spoke to Luke about it because he didn't show up at the appointment. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Now, here's the thing, though. Before she left home, she became very good friends with a girl named Aubrey. And them two bonded really, really well uh, before she went off to college. So they was friends for maybe a year, a little over a year, spending a night at each other's house, spending a bunch of time with each other. They really bonded. However, Nadia did get accepted to the University of Michigan and off she was. She tried to move on with her life. She didn't come home much. She didn't. Didn't call her dad much. Uh, and talked to Aubrey just here and there. Until one day, she was invited back home. That's right, y'all. She was invited to Aubrey's wedding. And I just I just want you to guess. Just take a wild guess. Who do you think Aubrey was about to get married to? That's right. You guessed it. Luke. Luke. <laughs> Luke and Aubrey are getting married. And Aubrey wants... Nadia at the wedding. So Nadia comes back. She's there at the wedding. Things get a little awkward. She sees Luke in the hallway. And then she's boom. She's back out of town. Right. And you would think that'd be the end of it. But it wasn't. Shortly after her father had a terrible accident while he was working out and he injured himself. Terribly. And she came back home to take care of. And that's what really stood out to me, Alicia. We said earlier how Nadia and her father, they didn't have the best of relationship. However, she really stepped up. Mm -hmm. She really stepped up 
when her father was in the hospital with his chest cavity caved in and he could barely breathe. She had to do certain exercises with him and drain the fluid so he doesn't catch pneumonia and, and all these type of things. She really went all in and that actually brought them closer together. Yeah, I commend her because I feel like one of the reasons why she left home in the first place was because her mom passed away. So that's definitely something she wanted to leave behind. And then she got the abortion with Luke. So that's another thing she wanted to leave behind. She didn't want to end all ties with her father, but there was just so much negativity in that town, in that environment where she just felt like she had to get away. So with her coming back, she put her dad first and I'm sure it was hard for her. Yeah. Yeah, it was, man. But as Nadia came back, someone else began to come back around. Luke. But wait, 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 because you left one important part out. Okay. (laughs) So when Aubrey called Nadia and invited her to the wedding, Nadia knows who Luke is, of course, but she never mentioned that she had a past with Luke and Luke never mentioned it to Aubrey as well. Right. So here you got Aubrey just blindsided. She has no idea that these two know each other. So you have your best friend and then your husband who had a past, a serious past. Like Luke said that he told her about the abortion, like he had an abortion in the past, but he never named who she was. But imagine how Aubrey felt. Let's talk about how she did feel. Yeah. Because... Anything in the dark finds his way to the light. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. Um, after Nadia came back home and while she was taking care of her father, Luke began to come around again. And let's let's just get right to it. They uh they started seeing each other. They started having sex every time he came over. And um Nadia never told her friend. And Luke never told his wife. But sometimes what's understood doesn't need to be said because Aubrey could sense it mm-hmm. and she felt it. And this is something I, I want to talk about because she said to Luke, you know, you love Nadia or you're in love with Nadia. One of those two, right? Something to that effect. Here's the thing, guys. And Luke didn't tell her this from the beginning, so she didn't know. But if anyone ever tells you, whether you guys in that talking stage or dating stage, and normally you do talk about like the relationship that was previous before you. If anyone says that, like, I still love him, I still love her, or I still got love for him, I still got love her. My advice to you, give them their space to let that love wane. Because... This is what happened to Aubrey. See, Aubrey thought she was in a beautiful, lovely marriage. And Luke still had love for Nadia. And because of that, she was caught in the middle of a firestorm. Right. But she didn't know, right? She didn't know. didn't know. 
She didn't know. She was never warned. So I'm just letting you guys know. For the people who are warned, right, right. take that warning and run. I'm serious. <laughs> run, man. You don't want to get in the middle of that. That's a triangle waiting to happen, man. That's a triangle waiting to happen. But unfortunately, Aubrey wasn't warned, but she did figure it out. She lost her husband. She lost her best friend all while being pregnant. That was shady because Nadia went to one of the appointments with her, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nadia went to the fertility clinic with her Mm -hmm. and all sorts of things because Luke and Aubrey was having a difficult time for the longest time. And I think, of course, the abortion was still affecting Luke. And a part of me felt like he didn't want to embrace this new child in Aubrey's pregnancy because he was still stuck on the past mm. and regretting the abortion that he had with Nadia. But that just goes to show how those past traumas will continue to show up in your relationship mm. if you don't heal it or you don't talk about it. But yeah. That's very true. They shame. both kept it to themselves for the most part in it. And it ate them from inside out. Right. So two questions. Okay. Do you think Luke and Nadia should have told Aubrey about their past? And then do you think you should talk to your significant other about your past? So Nadia and Luke and Aubrey, that situation is a little different because they all knew each other. But then when you get in a relationship... Do you think it's necessary to talk about your past? Okay, I'll start with the former. So here's the thing. We got to be honest. When Nadia and Aubrey was becoming friends and bonding and gelling together, Nadia just wasn't comfortable enough to talk to anyone in the world about the abortion. Right. I don't blame her. Yeah, and I know some people may feel like, well, that's her best friend. She should be able to. There are things everyone is taking to the grave. Mm-hmm. So by the time she probably would have felt comfortable, she was already long gone trying to move on in her life. I don't see the opportune time for her to tell Aubrey when she was comfortable enough. Because before you know it, I mean, a few years passed, but Aubrey was now with Luke. And so now she probably feels a little awkward uh, to even tell her, at least Nadia to Aubrey. Now, Luke, here's another thing too. When you first start talking to someone, and this kind of bleeds into the second question, you don't owe them anything at first. Right. Because you don't even know if this is going to work out. So you don't tell all your business, especially something like that to everyone, in my opinion. Something like that, that comes with time, that comes with trust, that comes with vulnerability. Yeah, that doesn't come on the first date. He knew that they were friends, right? Before Nadia went to college. Yeah, he knew. Mm-hmm. So because he was wrong. Yeah. But this just shows how selfish people are. So I remember Luke was like at a really vulnerable state in his life. He got injured. I think he struggled with finding a job, just finding where he was supposed to be in life. 
Here comes Aubrey, this girl who's interested in him, wants to spend time with him. And so I feel like he just wanted her. And if he told her that he was involved with Nadia in the past, it would have ruined his chance of having someone. But yeah, it just, that's selfish. And he was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's selfish, but it's very human. Yeah. I mean, we are self before anything else. Aubrey, as some would say, was an innocent bystander. Yep. And yep. she got hit with a stray bullet. Mm-hmm. And that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. You know. That's um, true. There's no guarantees in love. There's no fairness in life. It sucks because now she's about to have this baby. She don't have her best friend to be there for her. She don't have her husband. She don't trust him anymore. That relationship is fractured. It's just, wow. When I was reading it, I'm like, yeah, this has to be a book. This is what happens in books and movies. I'm sure it may have happened in real life too. But oh, yeah. I'm like, this is wild. The world is so small, though. The it world is. is small. Just to keep it going with past relationships. Another part in the book that just pissed me off was when Nadia and her boyfriend was talking about Luke and Arby getting married. And Britt said, Shadi, which is not was Nadia's boyfriend, she said, Shadi didn't ask certain questions about Nadia's life before him because he didn't want to know the answers. So to me, that right there is the problem. Mm. Relationships don't work out because one, people don't want to let go of their baggage. Like I understand not wanting to bring your past into your present. And just like you said, you're not entitled to tell everyone your past, especially someone who you just met and you don't know if you're going to be with them. But there are some things that you have to talk about with your significant other to help them understand who you are. Your past experiences are what make you who you are today. So your significant other needs to know how you feel about certain things like abortions, whether you want children or not, whether you want to get married. They need to know if you suffer from any mental illnesses. There's just some conversations that need to be had if you're expecting to grow with someone. But I just feel like how you said Arby was an innocent bystander. So was Nadia's boyfriend, Shadi, because they never talked about her past. Right. She experienced an abortion that was eating her up inside for years. Of course, they end up breaking up. Look at those two people who gets the shit end of the stick because Nadia and Luke aren't talking about their past. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. But... I will say this, though. Shadi, if he's not asking certain questions, not so much that he just don't want the answer. He's just not that invested in you. And you could see that in a book. You know, he got the opportunity. He was out. He went and got his job. <laughs> he was gone. Listen, Nadia was a chapter relationship. Yeah. Every character doesn't go to the next chapter. Mm-hmm. And I felt like anytime they talked about their relationship, it showed that there was already an expiration date on it. Mm-hmm. If you're withholding information, if you're, you know, listen, 
If you're trying to pretend an entire past never existed, and let's just stay present, that's where you're going to live. You're not going into the future with this person. Right. You're just going to remain present. We're going to do dinners. We're going to do dates. We're going to have sex. Da, 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 go travel. But we're going to be right here. Right. Because he doesn't know the past, he's not invested in the future. That's a good point. He's just he's just living in the moment. And when his opportunity rose for a better job, he was out. And she kind of seen a writing on the wall, too. But, yeah, that's another sign. If someone's not asking certain things, they're not truly invested or interested as you think. That's just a fact. Right. And it just makes me think, like, if you're not comfortable with sharing anything from your past, anything about you with someone, how could you expect someone to share their future, anything in their future with you? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Like, if I'm not comfortable about that, why would I be comfortable about this? It's just, you're always going to run into a wall. Yeah. Yeah, it's a domino effect. It only goes so far. Um, I really enjoyed this book. This is the second book that I read by Britt. And I think she just does a great job creating stories. Um, One thing, though, same thing in The Vanishing Half. I feel like there were a lot of fill in the blanks with her. But overall, she's a great writer. And I enjoyed this book. It was really good. It was really good. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was a great, great conversation starter. Yeah, definitely. Those are my favorite books. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any final uh, takeaways from the book? The last thing that I just want to say is that I'm a firm believer that everything works out exactly the way it should. And what's for me is for me. So just everyone just keep in mind that you can't change the past. So accept what it is and keep it moving. Hmm. That's perfect. For me, um, the final takeaway would be more conversations need to be had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Snap to that. Yeah, yeah. I would I would have to say that. You know, we, we have to talk more before we do more. I feel like we, we don't a lot of action before before answers. So yeah. get your answers before taking action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining me, dear. This was fun. Thanks for having me. We'll be back yes. next month, right? Yes, we'll be back with our book reviews. This is really good. I highly recommend that you guys check it out. Once again, The Mothers by Britt Bennett. And with that being said, let's jump into our next segment, Have a Tree. Each and every episode, I recommend something for you to read, something for you to watch, something for you to do because... You deserve to treat yourself. You absolutely do. Listen, you give all day and every day to everyone else around you. Please, I'm asking that you take an hour away just for yourself. Take an hour away. You know what? Grab a fork. It's time for a treat. Right now. What I recommend that you watch is a brand new movie on Netflix called Fatherhood starring Kevin Hart. This was a brand new movie that was released on Father's Day. It is a drama 
Of course, there's some comedy to it with it being Kevin Hart and all. But as you know, he is trying to branch out and show his acting skills. What happens in the movie, I don't want to give it away. Hence the title, Fatherhood. Kevin Hart loses his wife shortly after the birth of their daughter. And he is faced with dealing with fatherhood all alone. As you can imagine, that can be a handful plus more. So check it out. Check it out. It's on Netflix. It's called Fatherhood. If you're a Kevin Hart fan, tune in. Let's support him. Okay. Now for something to read. What I recommend that you read is a book titled Who Not How. The formula to achieve bigger goals through accelerating teamwork by Dan Sullivan with Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Guys, this is a brand new book that I just received for Father's Day. And I'm very, very excited to check it out. I would love for you to read it along with me. Once again, Who Not How. This book gives you the formula to achieve bigger goals through accelerating teamwork. And I already got the biggest takeaway from this book. Asking for help and delegating. Knowing that you cannot do it all on your own. Teamwork. Teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. As you know, here, one team, one dream. You can only make it so far on your own. I would love for you to read this book along with me. So please grab yourself a copy of Who, Not How by Dan Sullivan with Dr. Benjamin Hardy. All right. Now for something to do. What I recommend that you do, I challenge you to have a mature conversation yourself With whoever, it could be your significant other, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mom, your dad, your children, your siblings. There's some things that need to be discussed. We all can admit. And a lot of times things go unsaid, which creates a bigger problem in the long run. So I challenge you. I challenge you to have a mature conversation and ask the tough questions with whoever you like. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I deeply appreciate it. If you enjoy this episode, please, please send it to one person in your phone so they can enjoy it as well. I deeply appreciate it. Before you leave, I want to leave you with this quote. Lack of communication ruins everything because instead of knowing how the other person is feeling, we just assume. Thank you.